And so let's just get our Bibles out and lift them up, wave them around, make Jesus glad and the devil mad. That's our custom around here at Glorious Way. And let's say this together. Say, Heavenly Father, I've tuned in to live stream with a hungry heart and a receptive mind. I don't know everything. That's why I'm listening with both ears, not for someone else. I'm listening for me. So please, Holy Spirit, shine your light on what I hear and give me understanding so that my faith will grow and my success and triumph will be sure in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 8, and we'll start reading with verse 1. Matthew 8, 1. And when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Not just multitudes, great multitudes. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand. And touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. And so tonight I wanted to share a message entitled, Receiving Your Miracle. Receiving Your Miracle. Uh, this chapter is chock full of, of the supernatural power of God. Jesus has got healing miracles in this chapter. He's got deliverance miracles in this chapter. He's got uh, where he calmed the sea in this chapter. I mean, you know, this chapter is just an example of what the church should exhibit. We should be sparkling with the supernatural power of God. And this one chapter is just, it's just filled with it filled with miracles and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you this message tonight because we, we all at one time or another need a miracle we need God to intervene in the natural course of, of things that's exactly what a miracle is it's God's intervening in the natural course of things you know if things are left to themselves or they're going to hell in a handbasket but God comes and intervenes well it doesn't just do it just because we have a part to play in that. So that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. And so the setting, let's look at the setting here. This multitudes followed him after he came down off the mount. Well, what mount was that? Well, the, uh, that's, that's the ser he gave the sermon on the mount. And, uh, and Matthew 5, 5, 6, and 7 are the Beatitudes. He, he taught them, you know, blessed are the peacemakers and so forth and so on. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And, and all of that. And then he talks to them in Matthew 6 about, you know, uh, watch the birds. <laughs> consider, the, consider the birds. Consider the lilies. You know, don't be worried about things. Go out and look at the birds. You know, they don't, they don't labor to feed themselves. God feeds them. And, and just he, he, he in, in, in fact, let's go back to Matthew 7, right before the verse we started reading. It says, in verse 28, it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the Sermon on the Mount, this multitude of people, this great, see, I want you to see it's a great multitude, not just a multitude. What would be a multitude? I don't know, a thousand? What would be a great multitude? I'd, I'd say probably a hundred thousand. 
I mean, this was a massive crowd. And it says after he had ended these things, that massive crowd, they were astonished at his doctrine or at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Or in other words, not as a professor. You know, he's not listening to some highfalutin teacher. He taught them as one that had authority. This message has got such authority in it. And it will help you. And so they followed Jesus. This great magnitude of people. And yet there's not a record of any of that multitude being healed. Not one record of any of them receiving anything except this one uh, person who is a leper. And uh, so this, this one particular leper, the way I think about things when I'm reading my Bible, I, I read it and I study it. I, I want to put myself on the scene. I imagine myself as part of the crowd. I, I ask a question, how is it that this one person out of a multitude of people, a great multitude of people, how is it that he got his miracle and there's no record of anyone else? See, that's how I think. And I think that, I think that that's, we, we should, instead of reading our Bibles at 100 miles an hour and trying to check a box, let's take our time and find out what God is saying to us at any particular time that we're reading our Bible. God's got something to say to us. Every time we open this book, he's talking to us. And isn't it a shame if we just read it so fast that we don't consider? And so... Uh, and so he, you know, how was it out of this great multitude, he received, uh, his miracle. All the rest of these people were astonished. They were amazed. I mean, they were impressed, but they didn't receive. And so I want to give you five things that I gleaned out of this one, just four verses, five things that. I see that this leper did to receive his miracle. And it happened to be an instantaneous miracle. But what I'm talking about is the same whether you get something instantaneously or whether you get it over a period of time. In fact, most miracles are not instant. Most miracles are over a period of time. And so we're going to have to, uh, uh, you know, discipline ourselves to stay in the place of receiving, to keep our receiver open. (laughs) don't switch the channel (laughs) when God is trying to get you something don't you know and so uh, the first one five principles to receive your miracle all right so number one that I see in verse two the leper number one positioned himself close to Jesus closer than everybody else he came and worshiped Jesus and uh, you got to, well, you know, that's kind of basic. Well, some people won't even come down the street. I, we've got people live within a, a block or two of this church and need everything that we're teaching and preaching. They need a miracle, but they don't even show up. And some people won't walk across the street. And they drive by here. I, I, I see people that come and visit. Well, I live, I live in the, how'd you find out about this? Well, I've been driving by here for several years. I'm finally decided to, to come and see and then a lot of times I never see them again. See, there's no hunger there. Well, guess what? Their miracle is probably never going to happen because they're not in the right position. They're going, if they go to church, they're going to a dead church. A lot of them don't even go to church. So they're positioned wrong. And so he drew near at the, at, at the threat of death. You've got to remember, 
being a leper in public, you know, talk, <laughs> listen, if anybody had known he was a leper, he could have been stoned right on the spot, stoned to death. Talk about fear. You see people wearing masks even now, and they're still afraid of COVID. They're, you know, it's, it, it's all over pretty much. And the strains that are out there are not fatal at all. And yet people are going around. I see them all the time. They're still afraid. They're afraid. And uh, you think about that atmosphere. That's the kind of atmosphere that existed over a leprosy because leprosy was deadly. It was highly contagious. They didn't, there was no cure for it. If you ever got it, you either died from it or you had a miserable life from it. And, uh, and so... Uh, it was not a small thing for him to position himself close to Jesus and to worship him. The word worship there also means that, you know, that's part number two. He worshiped Jesus. He didn't just get come close to him. He worshiped him. He, he got on his face and he worshiped him. And uh, the definition of that in the Greek means to prostrate oneself, to kiss, or to like a dog licking their master's hand. And so that's the way it means. He kissed, probably kissed Jesus' feet. And uh, he bowed down and he probably kissed Jesus' feet. And uh, so that's what it means to worship him. You know, I heard R.W. Schambach say this back in the 80s. He said, the biggest sin in the church is worship without sacrifice. <laughs> people people want to raise their hands, they want to sing, they want to worship, you know, kind of an outward worship. But when it comes to living close to God, you know, the Bible says draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. You know, it's one thing, you know, we, if as a believer, God is close to us because he lives on the inside of us, but do we live close to him? See, that's a question that only you can answer. But part of receiving your miracle is living close to God, living close to his word and letting his word govern your behavior and your life. You know, I see a lot of people, they say they're saved. They say they love God, but Jesus is not Lord over their lives. You know, he can't be, he can't be savior unless he's Lord. In fact, that previous chapter, chapter seven, uh, he, he said, uh, why in verse 21, listen to what he said in chapter 7. He just got through preaching this. And he said, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of the Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and in your name cast out many demons and in thy name done many wonderful works? And he'll, I'll profess unto them, I never knew you. Say why? Because they weren't really living close to God. They were not living according to the word. They were just outward, the outward show. Uh, he said in another place, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? So Lord means obedient. It means living close to him. And so submitting to his person and to his will. See, that's what worship really is. And, uh, and a part of that is not telling God how to do your miracle. You know, he doesn't, you don't need to tell him how to do it, when to do it, questioning him, reasoning with him, blaming him when it doesn't happen, when you think it should, pouting until it shows up, <laughs> frustrated. You know, I see people, you know, that, that, that they really do need a breakthrough, but they're not 
They're not, number one, they're not positioned properly and they're not worshiping Jesus. They're really kind of half mad at God, half blaming him for their trouble. I just don't understand. Well, that's, yeah. <laughs> amen. <laughs> Enough said. So uh, I'm talking about five things now that you can do like the leper did to receive your miracle. He needed a miracle like most people don't need a, a major one like he needed. I mean, leprosy is incurable. Leprosy is fatal. And yet he was instantly healed by doing these, employing these things. So he, he positioned himself close to the Lord. He worshiped him. Number three, he spoke his faith. He said, you can make me clean. You can make me clean. Now it's true. He said, if you will, if you will. You can make me clean. Well, we'll give him a break on that because the Bible is progressive revelation. I was reading in, in Chronicles here recently, and this is, you know, 1,500 years before right, th right here. And it said there was no teaching priest, even way back then. There was no teaching priest. The Levitical priesthood backslid, quit doing its job in Israel. And there were no teaching priests. How are people supposed to know their covenant if they're not taught on a daily basis? That was God's design is for the Levitical priesthood to teach the people continually what belonged to them in the covenant. And so all they knew was all the obligations. All they, knew, they, all they had for, about God was they were afraid of him. And they were not that afraid of him because they, they would go off and worship other gods. And even in the days of Jesus, when he started teaching them, they weren't acquainted with the healing covenant. They weren't acquainted with how God was. And when he called God his father, the Pharisees said he's blaspheming. He's making, making himself equal with God by calling him his father. See, they didn't know God as father. They didn't know God as children of God. They were, they were just merely servants. And so there was no teaching priest. So you can give the leper a little bit of a break. He's not responsible for the ignorance because there wasn't anybody there to teach him. He simply had faith in Jesus based on what someone told him about him, told him that he was a healer. And so he said, look, I know you've got the ability to make me clean. That's no small, that is no small statement. You can make me clean of this terminal disease if you just will. If you just will. See, nothing in that time, no, no one knew much about the devil. They had no understanding of how the devil operated. And, uh, and so, but for us, our faith comes by hearing and hearing. Or by understanding. We, we need to have a revelation of what the Bible says. And then our faith can grow. That's why I'm teaching this. So that you can catch a hold of some of these points and see whether... There may be some things that you've missed. That might be why you haven't yet received your miracle. You can make a little adjustment. You can make a little, uh, you know, you can close the gap, so to speak. So Romans 10, 17 says, Roman, uh, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word or the rhema of God. So uh, we need to understand what belongs to us. That's why I teach on faith a lot so that you understand your covenant. You won't be ignorant like this. And like a lot of Christians, I still hear Christians saying, if it be thy will, if it be thy will, Lord, heal me. Well, that's not scriptural. 
We already know. What, what, what did Jesus do? If you will, you can make me clean. What did Jesus do? Jesus reached out. He reached out first. He, he made a move toward him. Wasn't afraid of his leprosy. He touched him and said, I will. I will. He didn't say, look, I'm going to have to go away on, back on the mount again and fast and pray for a couple of weeks. I'll come back down and let you know whether it's my father's will to heal you or not. I just don't know right now. I can't commit to that. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I, if, you know, try to catch up with me later on. No, he, he said, I will be thou clean. And instantly, immediately the man's leprosy was cleansed. So we know what God's will is. And uh, in fact, later on in this power-packed chapter in Romans 8, 17, it says, when the evening was come, they brought unto him many who were possessed with demons. And he healed all he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself, bear our sicknesses and took our infirmities. So, you know, if you read your Bible, you already, already know that in, in the mind of God, your healing has already been bought and paid for, and God already counts you healed. It's not even something you've got to wonder about. You never have to even pause and wonder whether it's God's will for you to be well. Uh, he settled that 2,000 years ago. And yet there's millions of Christians. There's a great multitude of Christians that don't know what I'm saying right now. And I'll never get tired of preaching his word because I always come across people that don't know it. And so my job is to keep preaching this and keep adding value as best I can and reinforcing uh, what uh, God has bought and paid for through the blood of Jesus. So we have to appropriate our faith with faith-filled words. That's what this man did. You can make me whole. See, I'm reminded of the woman with the issue of blood. She, she kept on saying, I shall be whole. I shall be whole. I shall be whole. She spoke her faith. It's important for us. We can't just think about it and agree with it in our mind. We've got to speak it out loud. Speak it out in front of demons. Speak it out in front of anybody. And, 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 and let God know that you believe him. Believe his word over the word of anybody else to the contrary. You know, sometimes we get a contrary report. Sometimes we get a, a diagnostic test that says we've got this infirmity or that disease or this problem or that problem. We don't have to stick our head in the sand and deny the report. But we have a better report. Which report? We don't deny the bad report. We just choose to believe this report over the bad report. See, let's, let's get our, let's, let's quit being worried about the bad report. The bad report's not going to kill you. It's only going to kill you if you believe it and you act on it. No, no, we have the report of the Lord. Amen. We have that report. Himself bear our sicknesses and took our infirmities. The word infirmities there means frailty of mind and or body. Just think about, I mean, think about people that have Alzheimer's. You know what? Jesus took Alzheimer's. He took dementia. He took aphasia. He took all kinds of mental trouble. He took a bipolar disease. He, he took all kind of mental trouble. Amen. <laughs> and so there's nothing to, you know, leprosy is not too hard for him. None of these other things are too hard for him. Amen. So Jesus settled it. He said, I will, I'll be, I, I will, I will. If you will, you can make me clean. I will. 
He reached, he reached at him first and then said it. I will be thou cleansed. And he was cleansed immediately. Uh, the next thing that I notice here, this leper. Now notice this is three things. They're coming up on the fourth thing now. He asked for the impossible. You know, he asked for the impossible. He didn't say, you know, if you will, you could just give me, you know, you could give me the grace to bear up under this terrible disease. This is just so hard. I've already lost some fingers. It's working on my nose. My nose is about to fall off. Lord, I just want to pray the serenity, the serenity prayer. Lord, give me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change. And, uh, you know, to change what I can change. And know the, have the wisdom to know the difference. The serenity prayer. Is that, is that on your wall at home? Tear it off the wall and throw it, throw it in the trash. It's not God. That's not a God prayer. That's not a prayer based on his word. That's not sparkling with the supernatural. That's a bunch of psychological claptrap. The serenity prayer. Fooey. <laughs> Pastor, why don't you really say what you really think, you know? <laughs> The serenity prayer. You know, she's give up. Let's just, yeah, that reminds me of what the preacher told. Brother, there's a Baptist pastor there when Brother Hagin was, was on the bed of sickness, was paralyzed and had all those blood diseases and malformed heart. And doctor said he couldn't live. He says, you know, you just need to cope. Uh, you, need to, you need to accept death. You, you know, you need to de deal with your grandson and let him know he needs to accept death. He needs to pray the serenity. You know, thank God Brother Hagin didn't pray the serenity prayer. Glory to God. <laughs> no, he stood up. And he found where it, in the place where it was written. And, uh, and so that's what this, this leper did. He didn't ask for some kind of way to cope with a disease. He said, Lord, if you, if you will, just cleanse me. Just cleanse me of this whole thing. And he did. Praise God. <laughs> I mean, just look impossibilities in the face and laugh at them. Our God is not limited. He's not limited by the doctor's report. He's not limited by how severe it is or how little time you have. I think about Dodie Osteen was just given weeks to live. She had metastatic cancer of the liver. And of course, if you know anything about cancer, that means that it had spread all over her body. The liver is a major blood organ, organ, uh, organ and all her blood supplies going through a cancerous liver. So those cancer cells are being broadcast everywhere. And the doctor said, she's too sick. We can't do anything for her. She'll be dead in weeks. And Pastor Osteen said, well, we believe in miracles. Well, you'll need one. He said, well, we'll get one. And they did get one. They got one and was no medical, uh, there was no medical intervention whatsoever. And uh, you talk about an example to me in early in my uh, salvation experience. I, I give glory to God for the example she was. She lived that in front of a big congregation. And people saw her week after week attend church. And she felt weak and she felt and she looked frail and all of that. And I'll never forget the, the Sunday when they announced that she had conquered that thing. And then from that point on, she just got better and better and better. And she's still alive today in her 80s. Praise God. I'm telling you, God's word works no matter what the report. So he asked for the impossible. He spoke his faith. He worshiped Jesus and he positioned himself close to Jesus. And then the last thing Jesus told him to do, 
in verse 4, he said, see that you tell no man. And it wasn't time for him to testify. See, because he hadn't been cleared by the priesthood. If he had gone and said, hey, I've been healed of leprosy, they might have turned around and stoned him. Because there was no such thing in Israel at that time. But instead, he said, go to the priests and show yourself to the priests. And then they had to go through the whole, the law there in Leviticus 14. It gives you the entire uh, process they go through to certify someone that has been cleansed of leprosy. Sometimes leprosy would just would cease to exist. It, and, and the damage had already been done. And now for whatever reason, leprosy uh, didn't progress any further. So they could, they could determine that. And so that was a testimony unto them. Another place in another gospel, he said, as a testimony against them. Why would it be against them? Because they hadn't done their job. They weren't teaching priests. They weren't teaching people their rights and privileges under the old covenant. And so uh, he got to go and testify to the religious establishment that Jesus had healed them. Look what Jesus did for me. (laughs) And there again, this is another pattern that I see in the gospel where Jesus is continually showing up dead religion. He's confronting dead religion. And this is why in our church we confront things. You know, we're not here to just get along with everybody and kiss everybody on the head and pat them on the back, tell them, boy." We're here to confront uh, demonic powers. We're here to refute false doctrine. We're here to overturn cults. And we're not here to, to be their friend. No, we're, we're here to stand up uh, for Jesus, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. So, uh, and so, you know, praise God, sometimes it's not comfortable. You know, if you want comfort, you know, you can get in the back of a hearse and die and get loaded up in the back of the hearse. It's got a smooth ride all the way to the graveyard. They lower you down and boy, it's quiet out there once they cover you up. No, it's not about quiet. It's not about peaceful. It's about these are the last days and we need to stand up uh, for our God and and stand up for the word of God. So follow this pattern that we've learned from the leper, map it out for us and receive your miracle. Come on, lift your hands and receive tonight. Praise God. Everybody say, I believe I received my miracle. I'm going to do what the leper did. Amen. Praise God. All right. I hope you got something out of that. I got excited there for a little while. I could have gone on and preached, but it's more profitable for you that if I teach you, it's better for you. Amen.